0: When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. On YouTube for you to watch at your heart's content. Yesterday it's a seminar on worship leading. No, no, it's not. Honestly, it's not. Uh, today is uh, one of our talks in this series, Heroes of My Faith. And as you guessed from the reading and from that delightful video, we are looking at Abraham. Uh, Abraham fits especially today because one of the titles that he has. Is father of many nations. So great to think about Abraham on Father's Day. Let me tell you a little bit about his life in case you're not completely familiar with who he is. He lived probably 2,000 years before Christ uh, and uh, as you heard in the reading his name was not originally Abraham but Abram and he lived in the city of Ur. Uh, which probably was next to the city of Oz, maybe? Uh, Okay, that was funnier in my head. (laughs) Uh, Ur Ur was in Mesopotamia, which is the southern bit of Iraq, uh, near Kuwait, near to the sea, near to the Persian Gulf. And Abraham was probably a nomadic farmer, not an educated man, not a great man. Uh, Just a farmer who lived a nomadic existence in the farmlands and the desert lands of Iraq where he lived. And in Genesis chapter 12, before the reading that we just had, God uh, says to him, Abraham, I'm calling you into a land of promise which I will yet show to you. And in faith, Abraham leaves his life that he has, with, with you know, the far- he would have had to have left some of his farm, some of his uh, provisions, some of what uh, gave him the food that he needed and the income that he needed. But in response to God speaking to him, Abraham set out from where he was to abide in a new destination that hadn't yet been revealed to him. I wonder if he felt frustration at that point. Wouldn't it be easier if God had just said to him, Abraham, we're relocating, Uh, here's the postcode of where you're going, Uh, feel free to look it up on Google Maps, Uh, I've already booked you a train, it leaves in an hour, Uh, you know, happy journeys, it will be a great adventure. Instead, Abraham goes on this uh, journey, literally being led by faith to get to what will become Israel. Israel. So he has to cross a lot of Iraq, and then either through Syria or through Jordan, and then if you follow the story through those early chapters of Genesis, you know that because of a famine he takes in a detour, he goes hundreds and hundreds of miles west through Egypt, and eventually ends up in a land of promise. Let me just pause there, because this is so apt to our situation right now as a church, because we are looking for somewhere to be as a people on Sunday. Uh, And if we can stick the slide up. We've been looking at all sorts of different venues. Uh, This building is, is under notice of closure, and that will begin from September. And it may be available for a bit longer, but they'll start doing things like they'll dig up the car park first, And then they'll knock walls down and other ways will have to come in so we're we're aware we would like to make our move over the summer we've already looked at at nine venues Um, some are too expensive some of them are 700 pounds plus a week Uh, that's a little bit above our budget Unless you've got any spare budget, you could lend to us, but um, that's a little bit, a little bit outside of our price range for what we're paying here. Um, we've looked at some buildings that we thought were possible, but it just turns out there's, there's too many practical things not there for it to be viable. Um, we've looked next door at uh, Applefields. Uh, that's not bad, but has logistical problems that will be quite big ones for us to solve. The room to meet in is not as big as we like. So that's a possibility but isn't, um, uh, isn't probably an ideal situation and we've also looked at another school uh, nearby which would be absolutely brilliant but the school don't think uh, they can uh, accommodate us on Sunday so they'd be, because obviously the school works all through the week and then the, the, the facilities teams also have to do things through the weekends as well so that was something we really hoped would be a yes but at the moment it's a no what we want to suggest is let's pray about this together i'll say a quick prayer in a minute but let's pray tomorrow and why not give it a day of fasting to see god that we can unite together as a community and say god lead us by faith into where you're calling us to meet And uh, where we meet will have a big impact on uh, what we can do upon our presence in the community, which we feel should increase, and who can come. So we're looking for somewhere that's practically worked, but we're also saying to God, will you guide us? Uh, We don't want to necessarily just pick the one we want, but will you guide us to where you want us to be? And so I think there's three things we could pray. The first is... Uh, that venue we looked at that we thought could be great, which is a school. and um, Maybe there's a way in which that could be possible. Pray, let's pray that could happen. Uh, let's pray for your community church who also meet here on Sunday mornings. They are also looking for a venue and they, we, I met up with their leadership team. They would be very happy to do the same arrangement that we currently have. It means we could share some equipment and some of the practical solutions. So um, at our it may be what we find is right for them or what they find is right for us. So let's pray for them as well because they're in a similar situation. And thirdly, let's, let's pray nevertheless that whichever of those things it might be, God will lead us and guide us um, to the right venue. Let me just pray for us now. So Father, we commit this to you. Having just heard about it, that you, you called Abraham to leave, to go by faith, to trust you, that you had somewhere in store for him. We don't want to over-spiritualise it, but uh, we need to leave, we need somewhere to be. We want to follow your guiding in that. We want to trust you in faith, but we, we also want to trust your provision of what you can provide for us. Amen. So on Monday, if you can, uh, do join us in fasting, if, if for whatever reasons you can't, Give up food, maybe you you can find a way just to go with that. You could maybe like just drink water that day, or you can find a a time to pray. Um, I'm sure there's a way you can can incorporate the heart of that, even if the practicality of that uh, doesn't fit. Or you could just skip one meal and have a pray, or if you can, uh, fast the whole day and uh, spend some time. Praying for that. Wouldn't it be amazing if if as a result of that we could say something amazing has happened and we can announce next week? So who knows? Because we're following God by faith, but let's trust God for that. Back to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. God speaks to Abraham, Abraham again, and he says, This Abraham, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed by you. When when Abraham received that promise, he was 75 years old. That's older than Donald Trump. That's the same age as, as Bernie Sanders, who also might be president of the United States. He was really, really old When God said, Abraham, by the way, I have a plan for your life. Also, God was speaking this promise and saying, I'm going to give you an incredible number of descendants. But he and his wife had not yet had children. My word, what a faith journey that man was in. 75, uh, feeling old, um, promises about descendants more than anyone else And yet, so far, not even the first child from which that promise could become true. So he travels uh, on his journey, seeking this promised land. They travel into uh, Egypt. They have all sorts of humorous experiences where Abraham panics and thinks, "Um, Darling, when we go to Egypt, how about we just say you're my sister, not my wife, because I think you're so beautiful, I might get beaten up. They might kill me so they could marry you, so let's just pretend you're my sister. He gets into all sorts of problems in Egypt. Eventually the Egyptians say, you should just leave, you guys are trouble. They move on in their story. Um, He has uh, a nephew, uh, Lot. Lot gets into all sorts of problems. He ends up interceding face to face with, with an angel, or possibly even with God, pleading on Lot's behalf. Um, He meets this incredible figure, Melchizedek, who is a king and a priest, a a mysterious figure in the Old Testament. And this person, Melchizedek, says a blessing on him, a blessing on his life, that God will fulfil all that um, he was going to do. And then uh, he, he has more experiences. God speaks to him again and again about this promise that hangs over his life. Uh, Genesis 15, verse 4, he's, God says this, Then the word of the Lord came to him, A son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then it says God took him outside and said, Look up in the sky at uh, the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Uh, imagine the paradox of what he's feeling. He's receiving at the same time, an incredible weight of promise from God. And if you've ever been somewhere without light pollution at night, on a clear sky, and you look up at the star stars, and if you do it for more than a minute or so, and your lights adjust, and then you, you can literally see thousands and thousands and thousands of stars. So God's, God's tantalising him with this vision, saying... This is how many descendants you're going to have. These are your children and your children's children. And yet he looks at his wife, who's old and barren. He looks at himself. He's old. He's barren. They have no children yet. No yet evidence that the promise that God is going to pour out to them has yet been fulfilled. So he has another idea. They try a bit of um, surrogacy with... His wife's uh, handmaiden. That turns out to not be a good idea. A good little clue there that often in that journey of faith, there's probably all sorts of temptations along the way to shortcut the promise. God's promised something, it's not happening. I know, I'll help God out. I I can find a way to make that happen. My wife's not getting pregnant, but uh, there's this other person in our family. Perhaps that's the way it's going to happen. So. Read about it, Genesis chapter 15, because it's as good as a soap opera. Uh, Hagar gets pregnant with Ishmael. Um, uh, Hagar's this amazing woman. Um, um, uh, She's praying, and she hears from God. And she says, God, from now on, I will call you the God who sees me. What an incredible faith in her that she, she named God for herself. I, God, I'm going to give you a name, and your name is going to be God who sees me. And then Abraham has his name changed by God. Genesis 17, verse 3, God says, You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations out of you. Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. Between me and you and your descendants after you. For generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And then uh, he has this incredible encounter with three angels who appear. And they say we've come to bless you. And we will return this time next year, and you will have a child. And even then, they're still struggling to believe it. His wife is in the tent. She overhears him saying it. She laughs. The angels say, why did you laugh? And she says, no, I didn't laugh. And they said, oh, you did laugh. We we know it. We're angels, like we know all that stuff. Uh, So even even then, they struggle to understand it. And then if you know the story of Abraham, eventually they have a child, uh, Isaac. Uh, From Isaac, Isaac then has a a child, Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. And from them is a nation, the Jewish nation. And then also through Christ, all the nations of the world are blessed. And so Abraham's promise is fulfilled. And of course you'll know that the final bit of that bit of Abraham's story is that even when he's given this child Isaac, even when there's a moment of, at last, God, you accomplished the impossible. We, we have this story where God speaks to him and says, um, you're to take your son, you're to build an altar, you're to take a knife, you are to offer him back to me as a sacrifice. Even in that, in, and by the way, today you'd get locked up in jail for that, or even saying that you thought about it. Um, but even, even in the midst of that incredible promise, God calls him still yet to trust him, even when he's got the, the fulfillment of the beginning of the promise that God has given him, God still wants him to know that only through God are these things fulfilled. Isaac doesn't die; God calls him back, never intending for that son to die, and a ram is sacrificed in its place. And so Abraham, today in our series, here of my faith, he is my hero. ...of faith today because Abraham is the father of all those who believe. We we gather today in the name of Christ but in a sense if if you follow this ancient story... ...we gather under the promise that God made to Abraham. That many descendants from many nations would be blessed... Let me end by just picking out three things that I think stand out, that speak to me greatly about this journey of Abraham, the father of faith. And the first is this, that God said to him, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. He was not the recipient of a prosperity gospel in the sense that I am going to bless you so that you can have lots of blessings and therefore to be really happy. God says, I'm going to bless you for the purpose that others receive from me through you. Genesis 12, God says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And Abraham's isn't just a story about faith. It's not just that that's his story, but as the father of faith, that's also some of our story. In Abraham we see some of how God works. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. God loves you and so of course he wants to do good things in your life. But he also wants to do godly things in your life so that other people can receive from you and through you. And we should know that whenever we're never seeking after God. The ultimate gain isn't the blessings for ourselves, But the ultimate gain is that God is still fulfilling the promise of Abraham. That every nation, many nations, people of every tribe, people of everywhere. That family of Abraham is still being built today. The second is this, that Abraham... Uh, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that's a quote from Hebrews chapter 11. And that idea of believing God and through it having a right standing with God, being right with God by believing, by having faith, is actually central to the understanding about how we as Christians engage with Jesus. Um, so we believe and through believing, through, through having faith, trust in God, we have a standing. We, we can come on Father's Day or any day and say, God, you're not just God out there, but you're also my father, a good father to whom I can come without any barriers in the way because I am believing in you. That's an alternative to saying, I can relate to God because I've earned it, I've done so many good things, I've helped so many old ladies across the road, I've given so many good things to charity, I've denied myself so much, I'm surely I've now accumulated enough credit so that I'm ex- I can have access to God. No. It's, it's not through moralising. God, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than most of the other people in the room, so... Uh, if anyone can come to you, then it must be me. And we can all do that, can't we? We can all uh, draw a moral line. And we all, I don't know if this is your experience, but it, it seems as if when anyone draws a moral line, the line is drawn so that you just stand above it. And others are below it. And you look below and say, well all these people, I mean they're dreadful, uh, and I'm not perfect, but I'm a, you know, above the line, so I have access to God. No, that's moralising. Or even repaying. God, I've done some wrong, but I've done some good, so I'll offset the good against my bad. They, they cancel each other out, and uh, if I get enough of those, I can have access to you. Abraham was the first to hear from God that he could have a relationship with God by believing in God and responding in faith. And even though he was old, even though he was barren, even though he had setbacks, even though he made Um, Loads of mistakes. God called him on that pathway. God even changed his name so that he would stop talking in the old way about who he was and even through his his new name uh, have a new way of talking to God. So no longer saying, I'm Abraham, but say, I am Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So he even changed his name, his identity, his speech, the way he talked about himself to be in line with the promises that God had given him. And then lastly, of course, his faith was tested. Even when it finally came to pass that he had a son who could then be the means through which this promise could come through, God tested him. And I think God still tests us. Today, he's still another word for testing is proving. It's like the word of, that used to put metal in a furnace and you heat it and you make it uncomfortably hot. But what it does is it makes it harder, tougher, sharper, more durable, more hardy. Proving at the time is is never fun. Nobody would want to be that metal heated to the breaking point. And yet, the result of it, the consequence of it is that someone's made stronger, more aligned, more secure. And God asked him to literally put the son of promise on the altar. In fact, that's where that phrase comes from, putting it on the altar. It refers to Abraham. That Abraham took what he could have cashed in his promise there and then and said, job done, promise fulfilled, tick. But God said, how about we put that promise even yet on the altar and see if you will continue to believe me. And I think that's a word for us, not just in looking for a building, in a sense that's probably trivial, uh, but for all aspects of our life where well, we need to believe in God. Uh, that the promise is amazing, but then it might look impossible, then it might begin to happen, then uh, we might have to trust God, then there might be a fulfillment, a part fulfillment, a complete fulfillment. But even then, God might say, How about you give that back to me? How about you continue? To trust me in that. So that the whole thing, beginning to end, is a journey of faith. So Abraham's my um, hero of faith today because, not, though not perfect and not ideal through setbacks, disappointments, and even by being tested by God, he proved that he was a father of those who believe. Let me read to you the words that sum up his life in Hebrews chapter 11 in the chapter called The Heroes. Of faith, these are the words spoken about Abraham by faith. Abraham, when called to do a place to call to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And even by faith, Sarah, who was long past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore by faith abraham when god tested him offered isaac as a sacrifice he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son even though god had said to him it is through isaac that your offspring will be reckoned abraham reasoned that god could even raise him from the dead and in so in a like manner of speaking he did receive isaac back from the dead. Amen.